Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, as always, Timuchin, here in Chicago, where it's freaking freezing cold. And with us today is Gally. Bigler will be joining us. Uh, normally, he's fashionably late to joining the, like, right before, like, Gally knows. He just hops on. Uh, this time, he'll be a couple of minutes late, but it's good enough. We got me. We got Gally. Gally, what's happening, man? Not too much, not too much. Hanging in there. It's uh it's cold up in New England. I don't know if it's as cold as Chicago is, but it's it's getting pretty cold and they're calling for snow at some point this week. So I'm not looking forward to any of that, to be honest. Same thing. It's gonna be a white Christmas. What, what's you know? Uh, no, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a white Christmas. I'm gonna be at my in-laws and uh i will root for there not to be that much snow because they live outside of buffalo and well they get a different level of snow than we get here i hear like we're gonna get a little snow i'm thinking like an inch or two they get like a foot and uh and they probably say a little too <laughs> oh they act like it's nothing they're like yeah we got a little snow somewhere like 14 to 18 inches i'm like fucking 14 to 18 sounds like a fucking lot <laughs> That's like a month's worth. Ellen is with us as always. Greetings from a cold Houston. He says, so I'm assuming it's like 40 or something like that. Over there. Like in the I, was just gonna, I don't even know if it's 40, to be honest. It's probably warmer. <laughs> well, we'll How wait cold are we Bickler. talking, Alan? We'll wait on Bickler for the trivia. That's probably why he's trying to avoid it and showing up late over here. So let's talk a little bit about like, um, I don't want to get into too many details in terms of like the the tactical stuff and all that. And I don't know how much of it you got to watch it, but uh, the Milan game, like what is your biggest takeaway out of that? Is there anything to be taken from that game? Huh. I mean, it was a hell of a great opportunity for Ox, wasn't it? Sure. I, mean, was. I, got a start. sure was. I, didn't, I, I wasn't sure that Ox would get another start in a red uniform. Luckily for them, they didn't wear the red. Um, they wore the crazy uh, eclectic uh, colorblind pattern. So no one could understand exactly what colors they were. Probably couldn't even know what team they were. Um, I was a little shocked. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I and a little frustrated. Like, we talk about Carvalho and his role, and I feel like a guy spends the first half of the year being your fourth or fifth sub. You would utilize every opportunity to play him with Mo. You'd utilize the opportunities to play him with Bobby to get him used to playing with some of the top line forwards. And Klopp hands the start to Ox, which was a little surprising, but all in all, it sounded like he played a false nine and played pretty well. I only saw the match highlights. Um, so my biggest takeaway is probably the kids late in the match. Um, you know, everyone raved about the dope kid. I saw the through ball he put in for uh, Darwin's second goal is outstanding. And for a young Clark. teenager, no, Clark was the first one. Doke was the second. Oh, the second. Okay, okay, okay. The the cross. But okay. both were both were Clark's really good. Unreal. <laughs> well, oh, Clark Clark's ball was. I mean, it it doesn't just take the ability to pull off the pass. It takes the ability to actually see it and time it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for a kid, I you know, I just I thought Doke played really well as well. Um, you know, he smashed the ball off the post and got himself an assist, and it just looks like the kid. It's not a above his element playing with this level of player, which I think speaks a lot about him. Um, and there's talk now that he may go out on loan the second half of the season to get some actual meaningful big boy minutes and get him out of the youth team setup, which, you know, that's an ideal scenario. So for me, this camp was all about guys not getting hurt and getting some of the big bodies back 
Mo looks like he's pretty fit and Darwin looked good in his brief cameo. It was a classic Darwin performance, right? It was basically 25 minutes of Helter Skelter. He puts two in the back of the net and he could have scored five. Yeah, no, that was probably nice to see. I mean, out of the things that you kind of like take away from the game, probably Nunes coming back, getting a goal, getting his confidence back. It's almost like a late preseason game is the way you look at it. With the kids, I never know to – like I'm always cautious about getting too excited about how they perform in these games because, you know, this is the kind of game that's for Clark and for Doak and stuff. You know, they're thrown out there and club says, go do your kid thing, kid. And it's not a lot of pressure, so it's a lot easier to perform, express yourself. If you make a mistake, there is no big – deal and stuff like that i think it totally changes when you come into a premier league game and stuff where the stakes are higher the stress is higher and i just want to see them perform that's why i thought that loan like you were saying is good news because that's what you need you need more Mm -hmm. experience in a yeah playing against ac milan is a high level but it's not you know as competitive and as you know the stress levels in terms of consequences makes a huge difference, especially because these guys are kids and you know, like how they're going to focus and stuff like that is going to be make make a big difference. So let's bring on Mr. I couldn't even make it to the <laughs> a minute before today is Bickler. He didn't even have time to take his jacket off. Bickler what's happened. And he didn't even have time to put his microphone on either. Apparently. <laughs> it's the best he sounded in weeks. He's confused. I don't know if the jacket is blocking the sound or what's going on, too. But uh, so we'll definitely talk once Bickler gets his microphone sorted over here. Alan says, welcome, Bickler. Uh, he's here in we get to look at him, not hear him. I don't know which one is worse. So at least you're getting 50 percent of the torture and not the full percent. But uh, as he fixes the sound, we'll kind of like go about uh, and do the, the trivia once he's ready to go. But uh, so the World Cup. Your boy Loris. Castro Hammy? Yeah, now we got there you. We go. There is Bickler. Oh. oh, hey, okay. welcome, man. How's it going? Whew, I'm here, but barely. Yeah, I, I, it I might be better if I might be better if I just keep that mute button on. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, since you're here, we were literally waiting for you to get the oh, trivia roll. Sorry, my audio is not working. I gotta go. <laughs> The trivia is here, and our trivia man, BJ, is here. He was on time, uh, so he's ready with his question. BJ, what's happening, man? Let's get this rolling. Shoot your question for the week. Yeah, I was surprised that Bickler even turned the mic on when he heard it was going to be coming on for the (laughs) trivia here. So, My Christmas present, holiday present, whatever, to you gentlemen, is that instead of a lump of coal in your stocking, this will be the last World Cup-related question for at least four years. Two weeks ago, thanks to Bickler, the question I will always remember as the fucking Brad Friedel question, um, (laughs) where I gave you a couple of countries and you had to name a player from one of them that was with Liverpool. Switching that around. I'm going to give you five countries, but this time you don't have to name the player. You need to tell me which of these countries did not ever have a Liverpool player in a World Cup match. Ivory Coast has been in three of them, Denmark in six, Poland, nine World Cups, Italy, 18 World Cups. Multiple choice, so you got a 20% chance. Which one of these has never had a Liverpool player in a World Cup match? 
And yes, Liverpool has had players from all these countries. So your options, just in case people are listening uh, on the podcast so you don't miss out on the trivia over here, is Ivory Coast, Denmark, Poland, Sweden, and Italy. As always, Bickler, that's why we were waiting for you. We go with you first. Shoot your guess. Alan says Poland. Should have been just a little bit later. Um, Oh, no, we would still wait. Don't worry. Uh... I should have should have pulled a galley and gotten into a car accident. Um, just trying to think. I don't know if that's too soon. I'm sorry if that's too soon, galley. Uh, you know, I like to joke about tragedy while I stall. Um, let's think. Uh, God, if I have to, uh, I dude, I don't, I don't fucking know. I'm, I'm gonna go Sweden here. I don't know why that doesn't prob- that doesn't feel right, but I'll go Sweden. How about you, Galley? We have a Poland guest from Alan so far. We have Sweden from Bickler. What do you have? You know, this is this goes to like the old trivia world of like in the four times that the Steelers won the Super Bowl and back-to-back Super Bowls, how many times was Chuck Knoll coach of the year? And like zero, one, two, three, four. And the answer has to be fucking zero because you wouldn't give zero if it wasn't the answer. Um, I almost feel like when you don't have a clue go with the obvious one and Italy played in 18 world cups and just seems like so many that they had to have a Liverpool player. The more I think of, I'm trying to think of what Liverpool player I can think of Italians, but I don't know that I can think of an Italian national teamer that would have you played. You saying you don't like Aquilani? Oh yeah. Aquilani. Oh, that bastard. He played in a world cup. Yeah, so it's probably not. I was gonna guess Italy. I, I, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Allen. It's a sheer guess. I'm gonna say Poland. Okay, so we got two Polands uh, in honor of the Sweden. Prince. BJ, Gally, answer. you should have stayed with it. <laughs> I knew it. I should have stayed knew with it. it. Eighteen World it. Cups and nobody from. You know the oh. way you set it up. The way you set Forever it up. You, this is like, I thought you were going to go with Italy because it looked like you know it's yeah. probably the most unlikely one kind of it thing. It was what I was going to guess. Oh, we yeah. should. I should have known. Does it? Mm. Yep, Alan agrees. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was definitely a good one, BJ. Thanks a lot, man. Stop go. these guys yeah. once again. Have a great yeah, year. and uh, yep. just just. Put that. Put these World Cup questions right into the vault with, well, honestly, the same vault that we're asking you to put all the regular oh, questions like them. Yep. Too. Yes. Um, just, yes. just put them wherever the hell you can it's ask trash. someone other than me and yep. Bickler. But I, but I promise you, for 2023, the questions are going to be just as good. Yeah, oh, can't That's wait. Promising. Can't wait. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Thanks, BJ. I'll take care, gentlemen. Oh, yeah, that was actually a good question. That's why the way you set that up, I'm like, oh, he's going Italy. He's going to nail this. But then I had to jump off my own goddamn logic. And I genuinely was going to go with that logic. But then I was like, no, you said Akiani. And I actually believed it. Then I should have known being Italian. He's not good enough to actually be on the Italian national team. I was actually shocked too. all these years not to have one Italian that who was at Liverpool. I mean, I guess we didn't. I mean, I can't think of a lot of Italian players over the years either, but I was kind of like shocked with the answer myself. But I let's would, put I this would... World Cup to bed. We put the World Cup trivia to bed. Let's put the I... World Cup to bed. 
we could we could sign we could sign Chiesa or Barella by the next World Cup, and I would be extremely happy to have one of those Italians of on the Italy roster. Italy would have to qualify world for the World Cup. I but. feel like those dudes. <laughs> but they should. I next feel like time. Italians in general just don't move to the Premier League. They don't. Yes, they don't. I think they don't move out of the Serie A a lot. Right, uh, and right. That's probably like the biggest part of it. So, uh, so let's get to the World Cup. Uh, put it away. Argentina beats France. Uh, we were actually doing like a live watch along with my brother on one. So that's the longest watch along of all time. It was like well over, it was over three hours. Uh, but I mean, honestly, as you watch the game, we were talking about anything about football at one point, because it was probably one of the worst finals I thought throughout the game until the 80th minute or so came. And then it just went nuts from there. So good, enjoyable game overall. Um, was it the best final of all time? I don't know. Probably excitement-wise, that was pretty darn close. But Bigler, I want to start with you on this one. On a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being the best ever, where do you put this World Cup? I was asking the Polish Prince Mateusz. This like the final the or the entire World Cup in The entire general? World Cup, the whole Qatar World Cup. In the grand scheme of all these other World Cups we've seen, like I say, the Polish Prince, He's when you talk to kids, he's only seen like three or something. Uh, but, you know, like having seen a bunch of World Cups, uh, where do you put this Qatar World Cup compared to all the others? And zero to ten, like how do you grade it? Like a six? Really? I'll wow. give it, yeah, well, I'll give it a six because I don't – we didn't hear of any major infrastructure issues, which you usually hear about in World Cups. I think part of that's because Qatar is extremely affluent and probably had it built up correctly from the get. The other thing is because Qatar is extremely condensed. So once they put the rail system in, I think that pretty much helped really coordinate and tie that thing together. Look, dude, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna do this thing where we talk about what a fantastic World Cup this was because of the final, because uh, for one, I think the standard of officiating was appalling throughout the World Cup. Two, I don't think that this strips away that this World Cup took place at a time during the season that it should not have taken place in a country that it should not have taken place in. And like, so for me, like I top out of the six for those reasons. Hmm, that's odd. I mean, okay, that's fair. If you want to like, kind of like put that into a factor in the equation. How about you, Yali? Well, I, I guess I struggle a little bit with the putting a number on it from the plain standpoint that I, I don't want to separate what was on the pitch compared to all the drama that was off of it. Cause I do think it, it, it's part of the story and it's part of the narrative. So I might go a little higher than Paul and maybe give it a seven just for the rating of it on the pitch, because though I think officiating was poor, I think officiating in the sport is poor. So why wouldn't that be reflected at the highest level? We, we brought all the best bad officials from all over the world. And then we wondered why officiating would be poor. Um, and on top of that, I, I really believe that, you know, the introduction to VAR has done exactly to world football as it did to the NFL. I think it actually weakens officiating. I've said it on here before. Once you bring in instant replay, you give, referees the ability to allow for their judgments to basically they, they have a net basically and i think what it does is it stops them from being it stops them from being required to make actual decisions in the moment um and i think var was a joke right right down to some of the usage of it i mean we talk about the qatar opening goal how it was ruled off for offsides still to this day baffles me how that goal was chalked off 
uh, against Qatar, uh, Ecuador's opening goal, it just screamed um, everything that this tournament was, which was really fraudulent. All that said, on the pitch, matches had good storylines, a run in teams like Morocco. It had upsets like Japan. You know, it had Germany going out early. It had Belgium going out early. And it finishes with, you know, whether it was scripted or not, arguably the greatest footballer of all time, lifting the most important trophy in the only thing he hadn't won. So from a from a style standpoint, from a TV standpoint, it was like a seven or an eight. Overall, it's probably like a six and a half because I had to hold my nose the whole time watching it. Yeah, see, I feel like that's low. I, I was going to give – I gave it an eight, and actually I was almost semi-convinced to give it a nine in terms of, like, the competition because that's kind of like what I'm looking at. I mean, we've had – so let me ask you this, Victor. If this thing was in summer, would that make a big difference to you in terms of your grade? Does it bump up a grade? How does that work? Sure, it probably bumps up a half to a grade. But, like, I mean, I just can't sit here, you know, like – uh galley calls it a, fr- a fraudulent tournament and then gives it a seven like i just i can't like i i can't disagree i just can't do it man i can't get there and i think you know qatar was desperate for this to be a success and i think the means in which they achieved it i just don't i don't know i mean there were great stories here right but like that final like bordered on ridiculous to me like it, it literally felt like in 1989 six-year-old paul watching jake the snake and finding out that wrestling wasn't real like that's what it felt like. It felt like it felt like the burgeoning old legend bumbling into a final with his last chance at a World Cup final versus the new burgeoning star. Both happen to play for the club owned by Qataris in a World Cup that happens to be in Qatar. Like it just like I there were too many coincidences in this entire thing for me to feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I don't know. I almost like take that as I mean, to be honest, I, I have a whole different theory about the final. We'll get to that. But uh, I don't know. I thought in terms of, hey, I mean, we know maybe it's like being cynical and kind of like almost ingrained into the system that FIFA is going to be crooked and any almost like every host is getting this for a specific reason. I mean, we were talking about like the whole US thing in that documentary uh, about, you know, like FBI being involved, lo and behold, it's suddenly like it's in US, all kinds of stuff, right? Anytime FIFA, I mean, there's a lot of envelopes being passing around, a lot of political stuff in terms of who hosts this and all that kind of stuff. It's almost like maybe a part of me, like a cynical part has already gotten past that. But when you look at everything else in the World Cup, I thought in terms of group stages, we've never seen this before. Um, I don't know if there was some kind of, I mean, if there is any shadiness, it could have been like, if you won your first two games, you have to lose your last one and you get an additional bonus or something. But it, it's kind of like, I've never seen, I mean, to the point where FIFA is kind of like rethinking how they're going to do their group stages in the next world cup. Cause they were changing it. Now they're like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't change it. Cause it was so compelling people changing, you know, within like 60 minutes, the groups were changing back and forth and stuff. So I think that's maybe why, the final, it was just like weird. Like I say, for the longest time, for 80 minutes, I thought that was like a horrible, horrible final. Almost like too easy. France almost looked like nobody there. It almost felt like they went to France around the 50th minute and they said, hey, you guys are losing this the way it goes. So why don't we at least do something where you guys get some credits 
for at least being in the final, not be embarrassed. Didn't have a shot on goal at the time. Uh, we'll just take it to penalty kicks. You lose it anyway. And then France is like, go fuck yourself. And then France comes in the 75th minute. Hey, is that offer still good? Because we still can't get a freaking shot on goal. I think their first shot on goal was at that penalty kick. Are you surprised how lopsided that final was up until that point, Gally, in terms of France showing almost no signs of life? Yeah, I, I am. But I also, you know what it looked like to me? It looked like to me a team that hadn't practiced with a full squad in almost 100 hours. They they literally had every they had practices with five players in them. They had 15 guys miss Wednesday's session due to the, the illness that was going through them. They were practicing in small groups and weren't even having team meetings to do like walkthroughs. And to me, it kind of showed it looked like a team that was leggy. It looked like a team that was missing kind of their cutting edge. And I think in France's to France's defense, the way they played all tournament was really kind of high flying. And I almost looked like they looked leggy to me. They looked like a side that didn't train as if they were about to play in the world cup final. They looked like a side playing in a friendly. And I think we kind of saw it until late in the match. And it wasn't until Argentina really ran out of gas that they really even had a chance. Cause at that moment it was really just, you know, the, the tactical subs that Deschamps made. And I just think he set it up wrong. I mean, he made mistakes. It wasn't his best 11 on the day. And I mean, when you reroute and you take off Giroud in the spot they did and look, it, it worked in the long run because they got better after they made the tactical changes in the first half. But I mean, he took off his all time leading scorer for his country and the person they'd been running the point through for the entire tournament with five minutes to go in the first half. I think Giroud was not ready for 90. And that goes to, you know, we always talk about this with us, right? Like in these games where we start the starters or, you know, if the guy can't give you 30 minutes, do you save it till afterwards? Because it felt like they took Giroud out. And I think, yeah, he just was not himself. You could tell. Uh, maybe he was not ready to pull the 90. I mean, he yanked him around like, what was like the 41st minute or something like that. It almost felt like they changed the system especially towards the end of the game where you would love to have Juro back in the game. And so maybe similar to Konate, instead of maybe they were not able to get the start physically, be able to give you the, like the 90 minutes, perhaps it was a better move to have Juro come off the bench. And yeah. you know, like when they were constantly loading into the box and you would think anybody who watched the Netherlands game figured, Hey, all you got to do against Argentina is load it in the box and they start panicking, making all kinds of mistakes. Can't They just could not. I mean, they have Otamendi, so that kind of helps the, the, the theory, I guess. But if you load it into the box, they were panicking and that's what kind of like happened at the end. Are you shocked with the comeback at all or how the rest of the game unfolded, Bickler? Or are you just shocked that it came so freaking late? I'm not shocked with any of that. I mean, I think... You know, it's not Utah, but a Michael Jordan would tell you before a big game, don't order room service. So, like, I mean, I don't think <laughs> Mr. Consp- I'll put my tinfoil hat on here. I don't think it was an accident that everybody in France was sick and nobody in Argentina was. Um, but I will say that if you're going to load the box and you think that's the way to beat Argentina, that's why you start Giroud. So I right. think uh, that's why you see the start. I will say with Giroud, he doesn't do anything for you on the counterattack, though. And that's essentially what France was reduced to for 80 minutes. So they were reduced to being a a counterattacking side. And that's a credit to Argentina just going full throttle, uh, dominating possession, and really making them play out of their own box. And I think um, 
I think that's why that substitution made sense when it did. Um, yeah, and the game flipped. It, it did turn. I think you had basically 90 seconds of brilliance from Mbappe, uh, and then that put that game at, uh, yeah. on even level. And then it, when you get to that level in any mansion, anything is possible when you turn momentum like that. So let me ask you this, Gally, because I was asking the, the Polish prince this uh, morning on the morning coffee show, uh, which is, aside from tomorrow, uh, is every weekday uh, in the morning, uh, come grab a cup of coffee and join us. But we were talking this morning, and he's the younger guy. I didn't know if it was like a boomer moment, so I was kind of like getting his take on it, as he's probably like the youngest one, you know, out of like our contributors. Um, what do you say of the like what is your take overall on argentina the way they celebrated and all the stuff they did it came across as the most like almost like disrespectful or the douchiest of all winners over time that i have seen in my lifetime the way they celebrated throughout this tournament yeah so um i have never been a big fan of lionel messi And when I say that, it's not the play. It's not the magician on the pitch because he's fun to watch. And I called him the greatest of all time earlier. He's right up there. I feel like he's skated his entire career because I think he's been a, literally just as much of a douchebag as Cristiano has, but he doesn't hide it. And he hides it. And then the media writes all the darling articles about him and talks about how kind he is and how wonderful he is. And then you watch him F-bomb officials off the pitch in, in La Liga and not get you know, called out for it. He claps off other players. He's been given red cards uh, in major matches. And it's like, he skates it. And I've always felt like he gets away with it. And the way they treated the Netherlands, if I were the Netherlands, you know, I would have been just as upset, which is why it was easy for me to basically stomach rooting for the French which normally I would never do. And I was outwardly rooting for the French, not just because I wanted Canate to win. Um, honestly, because I wanted Messi to have to go back to PSG. You wanted Lloris to win. Season. We know what it is. Well, absolutely. I mean, I was rooting for my favorite <laughs> goalkeeper in the world. Um, he should have been player of the tournament, by the way, even with the loss. Um, I mean, just look at him in that final. No. Uh, but uh, he did make a couple great saves. But the, I, I just can't. The way that they acted um, – the way Emmy Martinez embarrassed himself um, with the posing with the glove, basically telling the entire French supporters to basically suck it. Um, it was rude. It was gross. You know, we said it before. This is a team that considers Otamendi to be a leader. That says all you need to know. And I'm sorry, Argentina, if that is what represents your country and you're proud of it, you know, there, there are some real, real levels. And, you know, Enzo Fernandez looked like an absolute punk the entire final. The guy could have been sent off. He he deserved three yellow cards, let alone the one that he finally got. I just felt like as a whole, they were an embarrassment. And if I were Argentinian, I would be excited that my country finally won the World Cup. But I would think it's shocking that I have a sickness in my stomach that like says that Maradona was a better sport and a better ambassador to my country than this group. Like a guy who's gotten banned for using drugs, who literally cheated to win a world cup literally is a better ambassador and representation of Argentinians than this group that just won the world cup. And, you know, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but 
I'd root for Brazil every day of the week and twice on Sunday the next time they're playing Argentina because, honestly, they'll do their samba, they'll do their dances, but I've seen Brazil win with more class than that. I mean, that's the thing. And, I, you know, there's, like, a fine line. People are like, oh, it's like, why are you guys I'm, – I'm I'm not offended by you know them because I don't care. Like, I have no horse in the race. It's like whatever you know. I think I would rather definitely have uh, France win. By the way, we'll get to that. But um, but it wasn't like you know offensive or anything like that. It just looked odd, and it was something that made me say, "Ugh!" Like, is that really like necessary or like? Unbe- it looked like I'm becoming of somebody who's a winner. You want to see your winners to be a bit more gracious in winning. You're going to celebrate. You're going to make an ass of yourself and all that kind of stuff. But I think, like, putting down the opponents and, like, some of the stuff they did. I mean, we saw in the Netherlands game, like you were saying, Gally, like what Martinez did after the game and stuff like that. It just doesn't look right, and it's not something that will make me say, oh, yeah, they deserve to do that. I mean, you won. You already deserve the win, whatever it is, one way or the other. That stuff... I don't know, just made makes it look odd to me and makes me say, like, makes me feel like, ugh. Like, that's not something that I would show to my five-year-old to say, you know, hey, look, you know, they won. That's not something, like, I would show as a role model. And I know we're going to a total different topic, but what do you say about that, Big? But, I mean, what was your take as you see all this stuff? <clears throat> well, I think there's a couple things here. I think FIFA had a clear agenda for Argentina to win this thing from the get, and I strongly believe that. If you look at the way their games were officiated in key moments – there was they won every 50-50, they won every questionable call, and then some that weren't questionable went their way. Like things that were just categorically incorrect went Argentina's way. And I think that FIFA had an invested interest in seeing Messi go out a winner. Uh, the Martinez thing, I actually love that for him because he's got to live with that moment for the rest of his life. I think it's fitting that a player that works as hard as he does and as good as he is from an actual skill level perspective and is such a knucklehead from a like a mental and emotionally and like – just stunted individual level. I think it's perfect that that's his moment because that's going to be his pinnacle. That's what he's got to live with now. Like in his best moment in his career, that that was his move. And I think that that's fitting that he has to live with that. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the the narrative that people remember, but it's the one that I'll remember. Oh, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that because I'll always remember him as doing that in his best moment. That was his move. Um, I think in general, I think Argentina, I think they have always had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, uh, not only as a national team, as a country. I think they feel overlooked by most people by Brazil from a footballing standpoint. Um, I think that they consider when – I think like a, they have a real problem with Colombia's considered darlings when they have good teams that pop up here and there, when Chile has good teams. I feel like they look – I feel like they feel they have all the expectations of a heavyweight but get treated as a second-rate footballing country. I feel like that's what their 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 actual energy is, and maybe some of that's justified. I think Argentina is interesting because if you look at them from a country, they've got a lot of German immigrants that immigrated after the World War, so they have a strong European influence. They've actually they're a little bit like the Wild West. They have actual cowboys in Argentina, where a, a, a good majority of their actual country is primarily agricultural, comes from cattle raising. Um, so they're an interesting country in general. And I, I think there is a real chip on their shoulder where they do not feel like they're considered legitimate footballing royalty. Um, all the rest of what Galli said is spot on. I think Messi has skated away with being a dickhead his entire career. 
and he's gotten away from the fact that he's overshadowed by Ronaldo's ego uh, because he doesn't. He's smart enough not to have that outward. He's a little bit soft spoken in his key moments, so he doesn't have that sort of um, strong voice that we expect in these A list stars to have. And so I think that yeah, I think his look and his demeanor. Uh, has had him get away with a little bit more. But if you've watched Messi, Galli is right. He's conducted himself awfully in big moments. Uh, I mean, he's consistently uh, stooped low uh, and not taken the high road when he could have. Um, so, I mean, he won a World Cup. He's one of the greats in this in this sport. Uh, I think Argentina, um, they're holding their head high. I don't think they have a right to. Um, and that's probably where it lands for me. Yeah, I mean, that's odd. I think, like, when we look back, I don't know, like, 20 years from now, whatever, if, if I'm still around, uh, you know, when I look back, yeah, I mean, I think we would remember the World Cup because it's freaking, like, it, hopefully by then it still will be the only one in the middle of freaking winter. Hopefully this will be the last one. And then we'll remember all that stuff around it. We'll remember probably, like, you know, like, the drama and all that kind of stuff. But I will definitely remember that, too. I think, like, when I look back, how Argentina was kind of, like, douchey in winning. And, yeah, I agree with both of you guys and Messi. I think... He has just as big of an ego as Ronaldo. He just doesn't carry it like Ronaldo does. Ronaldo is proud of his, like, you know, smug, douchey approach. Uh, whereas I feel like Messi is more behind the scenes, like, <laughs> kind of a guy like that does shit in the background. And then on the field, he does it and he gets away with it because he doesn't get the cars and stuff like that. Even in this tournament, we saw like several times. But, but aside from that, let's put the ticker on. We can thank Galley over here for the really weird point system he came up with in our poll. I was actually blaming the Polish prince this so morning. Clear. There's nothing weird about the point system. It's like any it's like any any NCAA tournament or anything you've ever played. The points get greater as it goes deeper because you should be rewarded for getting things right at the end that you're forced to pick at the beginning. And the reason Trevor beat you wasn't because he got the final right. He beat you because he got both of the semifinals and the final right. So he basically maximized points right towards the end. Yeah, that, his Serbia, he, he was all disappointed about his Serbia pick, uh, but then his Argentina pick really like carried him over the top over here. The good news is I guess we get to send the uh, rewards kits. I didn't want this to be the FIFA league where the league is set up and I end up winning it. Angel, I told Angel, I'm like, hey, by the way, we bumped down one spot. She's like, I'm amazed I'm third. <laughs> But Trevor wins the World Cup pool. So I figured I, I butchered his name this morning. I butchered the grammar this morning. It was a rough morning show this Monday. Uh, it is Monday, so that's where. But Trevor wins it, and we put the World Cup behind us. Hopefully, we'll never have one of these. Alan says, I don't know why he says this, but Alan says, how many times a day do you shave? Sounds like a personal question. Today, just today clearly the now. Yeah, we're just today sticking with the, the face answer. for now. How many times did you say zero? Yeah. <laughs> today it was zero, clearly, which is why you see what you see. But uh, yeah, I I try not to shave at all. Um, but occasionally I have to go to these work functions where I'm not allowed to look like a homeless person who lives in my mom's basement. Hmm. Ah, see, that's the thing. Like when I used to have the daytime job when I have to have to go to work, not work from home. Having shaved every day, it's almost like this is what I resorted to now because I was so sick of having to do that because it's a Mediterranean disease that even if you shave in the morning by 5 o'clock, it looks like you never freaking shaved that day. So it is what it is. But the good news is the World Cup is behind us. 
And now we can kind of look ahead and get back to the business on hand for Liverpool. First game is against City. Big but let's start with you this on this one. I mean, how much does this game win mean to you first? Because it feels to me almost like a like a community shield kind of game, like a last preseason yeah. before we head into the, the, the Premier League. Uh, but in terms of the clubs, which do you think is more important for? Is this game more important for City or is it more important for Liverpool? Because or would either Pep or Club really care? God, I would I would assume it would be more important for City. I mean, I probably not much more. Um, it means nothing to me outside of getting anyone through here healthy. That's that's all I want. I give absolutely zero shits about whether we win this game, to be quite honest. Um, I care that we play well because I feel like that will affect our mentality going into the weekend. But with our standing in the league and as many games as we have going in and the importance of making top four – the additional fixtures from the cup games in the league, uh, the league cup matches, like that is that is another gauntlet we do not need. Um, and I'm not saying go in and lose it. I mean, definitely put out a competitive squad and try to win it. But I am definitely not going to be heartbroken if we do not win. How about you, Gary? Uh, if it were any other, if we were playing any other any other club, I would honestly be saying flat out roll the kids out and concede the cup. Cause I, I think these matches, this is, this is a net positive. If you lose this match, you win this match, right? You will be playing another midweek league cup match in early January. And then if you go on from there, you will be playing a two legged semifinal. So you're adding three more matches to an already congested fixtures schedule. We talked about needing reinforcements, we still have some injuries, and now we have players coming back from the World Cup who aren't even going to be fit for the match. They're saying none of the guys who appeared in the quarters will be available, possibly Hendo and uh, Trent, but most likely they'll be on the bench at best. So you're talking no Fab, no Ali, no Trent, no Hendo, no Virgil, no Kanate. Why bother? Like, And I'm serious when I say that. I, I think you play a mixture of the fringe players – get some guys some run and just try to get organized for Villa and, and put yourself in a good spot to be ready to attack the second half. If you win the match, great. But honestly, you'd probably be doing better for your chances of beating Real Madrid and finishing in the top four by bowing out of this tournament before Christmas. Yeah, that's why I had that like community shield feel to this game. Like, I think the team that wins it is going to be like, yes, we won, but the one that loses it is going to be like, eh, whatever kind of a thing. Because I think both teams are kind of like using it to get back in shape to start the weekend right yep. in the Premier League. But uh, so, Bickler, based on that, I mean, then kind of like what Galley's saying, even if Hando and Trent could maybe and stuff like that, why even risk it? Let's just get all ready. For the week, for like the Premier League game, or maybe they will maybe kind of like use this, give him the 20 minutes and stuff like that to get him going. Because obviously, those guys have not played in a while now, so they're not game ready, if you will. Yeah, you're setting me up for that moment where I talk about rotation and then I freak out when there's no rotation. So, thank you for that. Merry Christmas to you as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me to put out like. Uh, to put out depth and put out like uh, these guys in, in, in position to basically rest key starters and, and get valuable minutes for those that need it. But I mean, I think that 
you know, history shows that we generally put out our strongest available 11, especially against City, regardless of the competition. So um, I will have our fingers crossed and we'll see what happens. This is one of those matches where, like for me, it's almost impossible to guess the lineup, be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like really throwing it out there, right? I was kind of like looking at this last game and seeing, you know, hey, this might be the 11 we roll out, like the 11 that started against Milan. Do you see something similar, Gally, or do you see anything different that you would like put? Like, do you start Nunez, for example, because he did look ready afterwards he came in? Does it like what we did with Nunez is what I kind of expect we would do with Hendo and Trent and stuff like that, for example, in the Milan game? I do think Nunez, I think Nunez, Bobby, and Mo will start this match. Um, we'll probably, like we do when we play City, we probably will just play the 4-3-3, and maybe he'll start Elliot and Tiago. And, you know, it, it, Milner playing at right back was just a baffling one for me. But then again, you know, the only thing more baffling is the fact that Ramsey can't get through a full training session without picking up a knock that keeps him out two weeks. So I'm almost at the point, like, this would be a perfect spot for Ramsey to start a match, right? Play right back and get 60 minutes in, but he won't. He'll start Milner at right back probably, and 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 probably maybe he'll start Rabo uh, at left back. You know, Gomez and Matip, I think, are your two locks with Kelleher. Um, but so then maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the midfield is Jones, Tiago, Elliott. I just think he's going to piecemeal it together. Maybe Hendo gets 20 minutes run out there, but I think we'll start a strong side to Paul's point. We don't rotate enough. He's not going to start now. Um, you know, maybe it's another great opportunity for the Ox man. Um, but it could I, be a I good opportunity for Ox. Yeah, it, it could. I mean, he plays well against city. Just think back to how good he looked in 2018. Don't worry. It was only five years ago. Um, but hey, uh, anything can happen. Hey, anything, but I mean, just remember that <laughs> season. Pre-TikTok, who knows? Uh, yeah, pre-TikTok. Um, I just, I, I think in this case, we know what we're going to get. I think he rolls out the guys that he knows he has. I would like to see him probably rotate a little bit more. You know, I know Jamie talks about if we win this match, we win a trophy. It's not like it's the semifinals. We still got to win multiple matches. And no offense, we're not the side of two years ago that just has to avoid city. And we know we're going to win something because we're the best side. Like we haven't been the second best side in England since, well, the middle of last spring. So we got a long way to go before I feel like we have any confidence of just guaranteeing a trophy. And I still think the most important thing for them to do this year is to qualify for top four. It has to be the number one goal. And to me, that means putting all of your eggs towards the second half of the Premier League season, which is going to be much, much harder than last season when we played more matches. And if you yeah. miss top four, the financial earnings from this competition mean nothing. They mean right. nothing. These League Cups do not pay out. No, definitely not. And I think that's why it's usually... I... Do does get put in the, the back burner and when we trot out the kids it's always for this one because the rewards are not there. I mean you can't even compare it to the Champions League. Uh but it has been has gotten a lot of minutes and I do expect him to start as well. I get it with James over there. I think he is your defensive midfielder starting probably with Elliot and Thiago, like you were saying, Galley. Uh, but then he hold, like plays basically the Fabinho, the holding role. The only thing is like I I can see Nunez starting after like coming in and kind of like showing himself the last game, showing you ready. He's going to get some practice sessions before this game that way. So I can see him starting and then, you know, go from there. I, 
I agree with what he's saying in terms of, you know, like a lot of teams are out of this competition already. So there is a chance, but there is no guarantee if they came to you now and said, hey, you're going to be top four, top four, but not the cup versus winning the cup and not the top four. Let me turn the lights back on over here. Um, <laughs> We're showing how you, you make Using the, the lighting sparing me over here. Uh, so that, you know, I would probably take that. I mean, I would take the top four over the trophy. I know we always count trophies, and that's what matters, and that's what goes on the wall. But in the long term, I agree with what Bickler is saying in terms of, you know, like the numbers, um, the dollars are more important than this scenario, well, and you got to make champions. Each spot that. in the table is worth roughly $7.5 million. Right. And we keep talking about the importance of, you know, the the need to strengthen the side, the need for there to be clarity over this sale, the, to know what type of budget they have. You know, we're being linked with these these like war chest like purchases. And I understand it's great that, you know, all the reports are that Bellingham doesn't care if they're in Champions League or not. He might not, but his agents will. The people who negotiate the deals will. Like the people who who pay all the the freight do, and it's not just Bellingham. We yes, need to sign okay. other exactly. players that want to play in the Champions League. And you know, if you fall out of the Champions League and you let Newcastle get closer and you let Arsenal get closer and Spurs are in it, well, these clubs have 150 to 200 million to spend next summer Champions League money that they have invested in them. So now you're competing with five, six, seven clubs. And I just don't think you can allow that. This is too big a year in the reformation of this club. It, we've said it. This squad needs an overhaul, but it can't fall out of the Champions League. To, to maintain the level we have, we need to stay at the top level and be in the top competitions. And if that means not winning the League Cup in 2022-23, I, I can stomach that. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, you try out the lineup that you feel is the best without risking anything, which is kind of like the lineup we're coming up with, I think, overall. And then if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you kind of like, I think I would just be like, oh, well, and move on and be better, you know, better win over the weekend, you know, like in, the, in the Premier League is what I would say. But so before we go, I kind of wanted to ask you guys this last week, uh, but kind of ran out of time, but kind of making a journal at the same time. Anything I know you guys already talked about, like the brutal refereeing during the World Cup, but anything you guys see in the World Cup that you would like or whether it's refereeing or I was mainly going to ask you guys about this added time thing more than anything else. But uh, anything that you guys would want to see in the Premier League and say, I kind of like how that works. Wish Premier League did more of this. Bickler, you look enthused is just at the thought of this. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. The extra time thing is fucking weird to me. Like, let's tack on another game onto the game. Like, uh, I just, but if it is enough for lost time, that is not play. It's odds because you know, the Premier League always. Like, I mean, obviously, because of Fenerbahce, I follow the Turkish league as well, where it is done more like this. There's, like, ridiculous amounts of minutes added, seven, eight, nine, similar to the World yeah. Cup. And it always came across odd to me, especially after watching Premier League mostly. But now, I mean, the more you look at it, if I know as long as it's consistent, I kind of like the concept, I think, of putting all that dead time and actually giving us 45 minutes of soccer. 
it's still not yeah, I mean, if we make if we make it make sense if it makes sense right like i you know i honestly didn't see any rhyme or reason for it in the world cup i know a lot of people point to substitutions etc penalties yada yada but like I, there were matches where i felt like there was a lot of stoppages and there was only like four minutes yeah pegged on and yeah. then there were games where i felt like it was a pretty free-flowing game and like bam 11 minutes and i was like what like like so i mean just make it make sense i don't i'm not against it just like I said, make it make sense to the flow of, of what I saw happening, which to me, I couldn't, I couldn't really connect the dots as to how they were coming up at that time. James says the extra stoppage time and the new offside technology in the ball rather than use VAR would be good additions. I do. I mean, I think that's more of like a time thing. If anybody that could probably be Premier League because it's all about money and stuff like that. I don't know if I trust this the 3D imagery that can be drawn in any freaking which way. I mean, we already complain about how these lines are drawn. So I don't know who's creating that 3D animation. So I don't know if I have any faith in that shit at all. But how about you, Gally? Like, what do you think in terms of like the stoppage time or anything that you see in the World Cup that you want kind of more implemented in the Premier League? I, I, I was actually going to say I would like to see a, a, a larger expansion of the automated offsides because... I actually think the automated offsides is a much closer science than it is us drawing lines with yeah. rulers on yeah. screens. Now it requires much better cameras. It would require, and the Premier League could do it, right? Cause they have the money, but you can't get it down the football pyramid. And what good is automated offsides? If when you play, you know, your match at Millwall, you not only have to deal with their racist supporters, but you also have to deal with the fact that you don't have the automated offsides and the rules are different. And I think that's the problem, but goal line technology has proven to work, right? Wouldn't wouldn't we all say goal line technology is ultimately the number one thing that we have from an automated standpoint that only works because there's a sensor inside the ball and there are cameras that are directly down the line that catch that guarantee that it's correct. And I think that's where they're trying to get to uh, with the automated offsides. The only thing I could say about the time, I did like the fact that I felt the teams that were blatantly wasting time, the Croatias of the world, some of the true, true dark art sides, I felt like they were penalized in this World Cup with seven, yeah. eight, nine minutes of added time. And that I do enjoy. Um, you know, Everton would literally play every match would be 115 minutes with Vic, with Vic <laughs> it would be like Pickford time or something. Yeah, it's just Pickford time, right? But I also like that though, and I, I like the fact that Argentina was penalized for acting like assholes in the quarterfinals, and they put 11 minutes on the board and then made them play two extra minutes for trying to waste time during extra time yeah. with the shithousery. And the Netherlands yeah. found two goals during that extra period of time. And in the Premier League, they would have been given four and a half to five minutes of total yeah. time, regardless of what they wasted. And then everyone would say it's all about, you know, doing it right. So the, the time, I'm not BJ. I'm not advocating for a stopwatch. I'm not advocating for a clock. But I do think some transparency into how this time gets awarded would help the game make it a little bit more consistent for the neutral fan. And I think they did a good job at this world cup of trying to explain extra time to the neutral. And yeah, I think I wish, that is actually a positive. 
I do wish really that more referees would do that thing where they add time to extra time because that's a minimum. That number is a minimum number. A lot of people think, right. well, right at 11 minutes, it's got to get blown. And it's like, no, I would love to see referees be like, dude, it's 11 minutes now, but I got all day if you want. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would love that. And that's why I think I like that aspect of it. Like Al, yeah. you're saying, Gally, the punishing the team that is clearly wasting time. I mean, anytime, yeah, like anytime Pickford plays, automatically there should be a couple of minutes added for, you know, like the stuff that he does, taking goal kicks and pulling the socks and all that kind of stuff. And I know, but of course, we're going to go back to the consistency thing, which is probably where it's going to go downhill. Because, you know, like you're saying, we had some games where it was four minutes and you were like, this was just as shitty as yesterday's game where they did like nine minutes. So I think that's going to be the issue. But the offside thing I would really like. But here's the thing. And that's why I was going to ask you guys too, like before we leave over here. Because um, we've talked about this over the years a lot. We had episodes freaking like dedicated to trashing VAR or discussing VAR and stuff. But watching, you know, like semi preseason games and friendlies and all that during this, like the World Cup, uh, both for Liverpool and Fenerbahce and stuff. I mean, we were talking with my brother about this, and I was like, man, I guess we got to thank God for VAR because it's it's almost gotten 10 times worse, like Galley was talking about earlier, because now that these guys are used to having VAR, they've become worse referees. Like, they're just like, oh, shit, nobody's going to correct that? Oh, too late now. I gave it. And then, you know, like, they keep going. But after seeing all these, I mean, I think Nunez was off, for example, in like, was that the fourth goal that we scored? or the, I think it was the fourth, right? His second. Um uh, I think he was off, and normally if he goes to VAR, I think he's off, for example. But does that make you thank VAR, Bickler? After seeing stuff like that, you're like, this should be here to say, thank God we have it, or are you still old school saying it is what it is, it's in the game? Because we've talked about this a lot over the years. I mean, I think at this point it's here to stay. So, like, I accept it as an imperfect answer to trying to – to fix this and, and make it better and more accurate. But I can't help, but like I was always adamantly against the people that were like, just get it out of the game and go back. But like the longer we do this, the older I get and the grumpier I get, the more I just think that like, yeah, dude, I kind of miss. I, I think the thing that I miss the most is celebrating goals when goals were scored. Yeah. You know, Cause now it's like, I have to wait a good three and a half minutes to, to figure out whether I'm allowed to get excited about this moment or not. And the players feel that too. I mean, I think at some levels, like at some level they, they, they celebrate regardless, but I mean, the, you do notice players stopping after they score to, to take a look towards the side um, for offsides. And <laughs> I just, yeah, 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 yeah. When it, it's in, right. Like, I mean, I, I, I miss that aspect of it. So, I mean, I'm grateful for some versions of VAR, but I, it's got a long way to go. And part of me misses the, the olden days. And that's why I asked, you know, like, I wonder, like, how about you, Gally? I, I didn't know if any of you guys would be like, I miss the olden days. Stitch does. And now Leo has yes, no idea because Leo doesn't. Yeah. See, for example, Leo, the younger generation, he has no idea about VAR. Stitch uh, is tired of you like, fishing dude, treats out of his gullet. <laughs> The moment we score, we got snacks. Now we got to freaking wait. Uh, so you know, Stitch swallows that thing whole. It doesn't even chew anymore. He's like, I got to get it before dad tries to fish this thing out of my gullet. I think the worst. It's like a pelican. Even during VAR, it's not even like you can take a snapshot VAR. Occasionally, you can be like, okay, he's not off and you can go get the snacks. But I mean, there are times where you're like, I don't know, dude. Sometimes they call this, sometimes they don't. So we're gonna have to watch it's kind of a deal. I think that's what gets to me the most. But how about you, Gaudi? Like, where do you stand on the whole thing? 
I mean, do I miss? I think I'm with Paul a little bit. I miss the excitement of like the ball hits the back of the net and you just go crazy and it's a goal. And that's what it is. You know, you wait quickly. They didn't raise the flag and you move on. Um, I don't miss like having Chelsea score like they did at Anfield in that like crucial game, like two years before VAR. And, and I think Hazard was literally like three feet off sides and they just missed it, like blatantly missed it. And it wasn't even close. And there's no recourse at the time. So, like, I don't miss when calls don't – I don't miss when bad calls go against Liverpool. Like, I still like it when they chalk goals off, and I won't lie to. I get excited when they chalk off a goal for, like, someone's heel being off sides, even though it makes me sick to my stomach. Like, I think it was last year when they had that one where they chalked off the goal against Tottenham where like sun came back and like the edge of his heel was off sides, but like yeah. in every angle before the thing said off sides on the screen. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is a fucking goal. That's a fucking goal. That's a goal. Ah, shit. That's a goal. Like, and then they're like, no goal. And I'm like, yeah, but I still felt dirty and sick to my stomach. Cause in all essence, I believe that should be a goal. It should be a goal if it's for Mo. So that part really upsets me. I just hate the use of it. I and and it's my point earlier. I just think it allows referees. It's it's done the opposite. It was supposed to be there to help referees get all the calls right, especially the really tricky ones. Yet I think the way that they've actually applied it and they use it, it's really there to bail out officials who don't want to make critical calls at the time in which it happens. And that's what drives me crazy. So, you know, we were in Discord yesterday. I personally would not have called that a penalty against Argentina. I would not have called that a penalty because I think Di Maria leaves his leg. It lays it down. Is it clumsy? Yes. Does Dembele fight it? No. But to be fair, what could he do in that spot? Throw a fit and get a card for no reason? He called it a penalty. But I genuinely believe that in that instance, VAR's not awarding that a penalty if if he doesn't call it on the field as one. And I feel like that was a dive and that was a warranted reason for the referee to go to the pitch side monitor and take a look, but it's just this old buddies network and they don't want to do that to each other. So until they take it out of the referees and it's like a separate group managing it, I just don't think it'll ever change because these guys, they protect the shield. It's like, you know, it's, I don't it's, even it's, know if it will change then, to be honest with you, Gaudi. I know exactly right. what you mean, but you know how that's going to go. You're probably right. Like, you take care of us, we take care of you, man. Kind of an ordeal, and that's probably what it's going to be. But uh, James says, Merry Christmas, lads. Great show. Speaking of, I mean, whatever you celebrate, happy holidays, Christmas, whatever. Uh, any plans for the holidays? Let's keep it PC over here, Bickler. Are you going to take the jacket off? We're going to stick with the jacket till then? He's going to he's gonna do a snow. He's going to make the jacket off because the shirt's whoa, green. Whoa, whoa, okay, put the jacket back on. <laughs> that literally looks like you're not wearing anything except that, so that's scary. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to learn this green screen thing a lot better. Uh, any plans? No plans. No plans. Broke with the kids already or what? No, so they're with mom, and then I'll be over there Christmas as long as I can handle being over there with the ex-in-laws, which is always a good time when you go through that situation. Uh, Then I'll be back home uh, disassociating myself from everything I just went through, Um, and then I'll have them the last week of the, the following week after Christmas. So I'll have them 
during crunch time when I'm getting clients to go live on software. So I will be dealing with needy clients and needy kids at the same time. Uh, and there are probably not enough recreational drugs in the world for that situation. So how about you, Gally? We already established you're going to be shoveling their driveway in Buffalo, but <laughs> any other plan? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, these are my in-laws, not my ex-in-laws, but uh, depending on the 72 hours, we'll see how that goes. By then, they may be, <laughs> yeah. um, or they may have an ex-son-in-law buried in their backyard, one or the other. We are bringing the pointers, let me know. We, and we are, we are bringing the little heathen with us, and that was their idea. They were like, oh, bring Smokey. We'd love to have the puppy. And we were like, you have no fucking idea what this dog is like at eight months old. 60 pounds and can't control him his own size and like he still walks into walls and knocks shit over like he's he's not coordinated still like he does he's like still thinks he weighs like 10 pounds and is a lap dog um so he's gonna get on her counter he's gonna get up near her couch and she's gonna think like he's gonna be like they envision that he's like a like a trained five-year-old, like he's Stitch. Like he's just going to lay on the floor and chill and then like kind of mosey wow. around the room. You don't know Stitch. No, this is Miller time galley. Dude, this dog, this dog has absolutely no, zero fucks. He gives yeah. zero, zero fucks. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch for the day and a half that I'm there. And then ultimately my wife's going to be like, you got to get the fuck out of here and take the dog with you. So that's my plan. <laughs> Well, that's actually, yeah, that's a ticket out of the thing. You're like, oh, I would love to stick around longer, but got to take care of the kid. Out of here. So you guys can enjoy your day kind of a thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Pretty uh, much. It's, it's, not, it's not me. Oops. Christmas at the Uras uh, gang over here. I said traditional now, but it means kind of like more now. You know, as you get older, Bickler, you'll eventually understand this too. But as you get older, like these traditional, it was, it's always us four because our families, obviously mine is back home and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but, you know, with Jazz being college, Layla's going to be a college next. These are, like, good times where now you understand why your, like, parents or your grandparents always look forward to these days where everybody comes together because it happens a lot less. Yes, I'm fucking old, so it is what it is. But So it should be fun. And if you're listening, have a great holiday season, whatever you're celebrating. Hope you get the gift you like, you want, whatever. But hope you guys have, like, a great week. We will be back Monday, and it's going to be great to finally – Talk some uh, Liverpool. Two matches. Two matches, yes. And talk some Liverpool, talk some games, tactics, and all that kind of stuff, and none of this other World Cup crap and all that kind of a deal. But have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Take care.